Alright, welcome to the Red Triangle Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Kozlowski. No Shane here tonight, no Kyle here tonight. Special guest, first time joining us. Um, his name's Ty Storms. Ty, we've been wanting to do this for a long time, and I think I finally found a topic that is perfect for you and I to talk about, so thanks for joining me tonight. Thanks for having me, Matt. Looking forward to it. Yeah, no problem. Um, so, Ty, you know, pitching expert, one of my college teammates, um, a guy that I think not only, you know, knows fantasy baseball, but I think you know, you like to focus on the younger younger players, younger pitchers especially. Um, so I thought this was a real nice um, topic to bring you on for because a couple of these guys that we're going to talk about tonight are younger. So the impetus for me wanting to do this when – so our topic tonight is going to be sleeper Cy Young candidates going outside the ADP top 30 right now. Um, so like Jake Arrieta, Dallas Keuchel last year, I don't know necessarily if they were outside the top 30, but nobody predicted that either of them were going to win the Cy Young. And then, um, you know, the year before, Corey Kluber. And in 2012, a good friend of yours, R.A. Dickey, won the NL Cy Young and got the Mets some nice prospects back in return. Um, so I guess let's lead with, I want to hear from you, how hard was this to try and find some guys? I think it was really hard. When you first said top 30, I'm thinking there's a lot of guys out there in terms of, because I mean, it's a pitcher's league. There's a lot of talent out there, but I looked at the list and after the top 30, finding five guys to to kind of break down and take a look at, it was a lot harder than I thought because... Look at Cy Young. You need performance. You need durability. You need, you know, to get through a full workload. And some of these guys that I'm going to talk about, they necessarily haven't gotten through it for a full season, or maybe they've done it one time. So I think it's a lot harder than I thought it was. Um, but there's a lot of good talent. It's just consistency, and can they put a full workload together? Yeah. The other thing you missed is that you got to be on a good team, most likely, um, and, and that eliminates six teams in the National League right out the gate. So. So we're now we're only working with 24 teams instead of 30, um, which just limits our pitching pool here. Um, guys inside the top 30 that I was kind of surprised were there. Um, we talked about, right before we started the show here, Steven Matz. I mean, you're a Mets fan. Matz in the top 30, that's all, that's all Mets rotation hype, isn't it? I think it's a lot of it is hype. I mean, I, I mean some of these guys think he's a future ace or a number two. I mean, the guy hasn't been healthy his entire career. Uh, I mean, even last year, he, I thought he threw really well when he was on the mound, but can they get him on the mound every five days? So I think it's interesting. I think you're right. It's a lot of the Mets hype. I think he's a big-time talent. But, again, is he going to put 25, you know, 25 starts together? I don't know. Yeah, and I wonder if part of the plan with Mets is, you know, use him in the first half, three-quarters of the year, and then by then Wheeler will be back probably around July. And, you know, maybe Wheeler with the fresh arm comes in and fills in for Mats, who may reach his, you know, team-limited team ceiling. So um, it'll be interesting to see what they do with that rotation and how many of those guys outside of the ageless wonder Bartolo Colon can stay healthy. So um, other guys that I would have loved to talk about if they were outside the top 30 and met our criteria, um, Tyson Ross and Garrett Richards. I like both these guys. Um, in a big way this year. I actually had both of them on my team this offseason in one of my leagues. I traded Ross in the offseason um, because I was a big believer in Gerardo Parra and Johnny Cueto. So I got those two guys for Ross in a throw-in who I wasn't planning on keeping. And then um, I ended up keeping Gary Richards last night when I had to put my keepers in. So those are two guys that R- Ross on the peripherals, you'd think he maybe took a step back last year. But I think he was just as good in 14 as he was in 15, and he's a guy I'm expecting to take a big leap. And then Richard's coming back off knee surgery. Um, I think he is going to have a monster year for L.A. So uh, anybody inside the top 30 that I didn't mention that you kind of were hoping when you started this thing were outside? Well, I was kind of hoping for Marcus Stroman. Okay. Uh, he's five foot eight bulldog who pitches like he's six foot ten. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, if he again – Durability is a big question mark with him because of how big he is. Can he get 200 innings in 2016? 
but the dude is nasty, and he showed just how competitive he is, and I think he's going to have a huge year. Yeah, some of these guys, too. Like we t- We're going to talk about a couple of these players here. Super athletic. Stroman's one of them. Um, other guy, Tyson Ross is a good athlete. Carlos Martinez for the Cardinals. Got to throw in a Cardinal there. He's a great athlete. And then the guy, which I think you want to lead off with, Taiwan Walker, great athlete. Heard Bob Gibson athleticism comparisons to him, which thank God they're just talking about his athleticism and not his stuff on the mound because I don't think he's there quite yet. Um, but Taiwan Walker was one of the guys that you wanted to highlight tonight, and I can't disagree with you. So why don't you give me stuff that you got on Walker here? Yeah, I, I think you mentioned it. I mean, first of all, um, as they say on MLB Network, he looks the part in terms of, you know, a stud pitcher. I mean, he's just – he's a big dude. Um, but he's been a top prospect for, you know, the last couple of years, and I think people have been waiting for him to kind of step on the scene and just take control. Um but some would argue maybe he's been a bust. I mean, you look at 2015, he started out, his first nine starts, he got 7-3-3 ERA. Uh, he didn't pitch well at all. But people got to remember, this is his age 23 season for 2016. And his rest of the way, after those nine starts, uh, he had a 3.62 ERA. You know, July 31st, he threw against the Twins, complete game, 11 strikeout, uh, you know, just a stud performance. Um and you look at his stuff, mid-90s fastball, power change. I mean, I think the power change, you know, you look at King Felix, I mean, it, it resembles that to a certain extent. Um, I think the, the, the breaking stuff needs to get a little better. Um, but the command, they kind of tweaked his, uh, his um, just his mechanics a little bit. And I think it, it came a long way. And I think, you know, he decreased his walks per nine. Um, but I think he's got a chance to really just have a huge 2016. Jonah Carey's been writing about him all offseason, about a guy to watch. Um, and you look at King Felix, and then you have Iwakuma, and he's kind of that guy that bridges that rotation and kind of sets them up for a solid 2016. Yeah, so right now he's going about ADP pitchers, um, top 50, between 45 and 50. Um I like Walker a lot as well. I, I was expecting more from him last year. But, you know, we're talking about him as a potential Cy Young sleeper this year. He won the spring training Cy Young last year because I don't think he gave up a, an earned run in about... Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> it was like 20 innings or something crazy. Um, you know, I got his projections here. 181 innings, 169 strikeouts, 403 ERA. Um, his whip probably needs to take a little bit of a downtick for him to really be as dominant as you expect him to be, right? Well, I think, you know, when you look at some of these young guys, a lot of it's mental yeah. because the stuff's there. And, you know, for a guy that has his stuff, he shouldn't be getting hit like he did last year. Um, and I think that's just taking it to the next step, level. And the question is, can you get there? Um, I, I think he's, he's primed for a, a breakout season. So I think he'd be definitely at the top of my list for you know Cy Young sleepers. Yeah, 94.3 average fastball velocity last year. Um, that's one of the top marks in the league. And, you know, he's 6'4", 235. And at the age of 23, you only expect that to go up, I think, the next couple of years. So, yeah, I think we – I agree with you that we're, we're heading into what should be a dominant couple of years for this guy um, at the top of the pitching market. Um, especially in fantasy baseball. So I like that pick for Tywin Walker. Um, he probably wouldn't have been one of my five, um, but he was definitely close, and I like I like that pick there for you. Uh, the other guy that you wanted to talk about, and I am going to talk about as well because he was my fifth guy, and I'm not going to let you just steal him from me like that, Carlos Rodon. Last year, first year out of NC State, um, I think he was the second overall pick in his draft. I believe so, yes. Yeah. Two or three. Second overall pick. Another big guy, 6'3", 235. Um, he was a top college arm for a while. Um, you know, he makes the full season in the majors last year. He dealt with a little bit of injury concerns, I think. Um, he logs 140 innings, 26 games, 23 starts for the White Sox last year. And he was impressive. I mean, there was a guy in our league that got him for a dollar last year, and he held on to him the whole season. And 
He got his money's worth for a guy like Rodon at a dollar. So, um, what do you like about Rodon? And then I'll get into what I like about Rodon. Well, I think from you know a guy on the left side who has that power, you know, fastball slider combination. Um, I think you know I watched him in college quite a bit, and I mean at the college level he dominated, and you know you you, you try to project that to the next level, and you know you see second time through the league, second time through the batting order, you need more than two pitches, and I don't know if you're going to bring it up, but <coughs> twenty. 2015, righties hit 272 against, had a 799 OPS against him. I mean, he's dominating against left-handers, but that third pitch, whether it's the changeup or, you know, something else than the power, you know, fastball-slider combination. Um, but he's a good, he's a big-time competitor. I think he's on an underrated staff. Uh, I think the White Sox have a chance to compete in that division. Um, so I think he's got a real chance. I think he's a really similar position to Walker. He's got the stuff, but is it going to, you know, play in terms of the performance? Yeah, I was all in on the White Sox last year, but we'll lead off with that since you mentioned it. Um, I actually had him as my World Series pick out of the American League last year. I liked him getting LaRoche. Um, big Jose Brave fan. Uh, this year they add Todd Frazier um, to Melky Cabrera, Adam Eaton off a nice season. Just signed Austin Jackson. I'm not a huge fan of that, but um, I think, if anything, it'll push Abisail Garcia to maybe actually develop into something. And then an underrated guy that I think is going to help this pitching staff, they had Alex Avila. He's been really strong with Detroit um, and the pitchers that they've developed over the past couple of years and have had nice seasons for the Tigers. So Avila knows the division, um, and I just think he's, he's a smart catcher that really gets what he's doing back there. So that's going to be a huge boost to Rodon, and what you, I agree – is an underrated rotation. Um, Chris Sale, arguably the best pitcher in the American League. Quintana, one of the most underrated. I mean, he almost made my list here. Um, but he's just not – he's just good. He's not dominant. There's not, and there, I don't think there's the ability for him to be dominant. He's just going to be very good. Um, and then they, they add Matt Latos, which I think is an underrated signing. Um so I like I like what the White Sox are doing here. But getting back to Rodon, ninety three point four mile per hour fastball. Again, awesome velocity when you're talking about uh, you know averages. The K K ratio outstanding, almost nine Ks per nine. Um, and this might be a cop out answer, but you ask me what I like about Rodon. It's his stuff. I mean, and you can say that all over and over again for oh I love his stuff. I love his stuff. What does that what does that mean? When you get swing and misses like this guy gets, and p- hitters just look baffled. I mean that slider is ridiculous. Um, so it's just that kind of stuff with him that I think separates him from some of these other guys on this list. To me, he is the most likely to develop into Clayton Kershaw, and I think he has the best chance out of all these guys that we're going to talk about today to really be a top five pitcher um, for a very, very long time. He did, and I think, like, you hit it right off the gate, coming from the left side, that's just the biggest thing. That he has an advantage right then and there. Yeah, I, I think another thing to add, um, you talk about the team around somebody, and I know, you know, from an analytics perspective, you try to separate that, and that's how you really judge future, future performance. But you look at the acquisitions they made. You know, you talk about Frazier at third, Laurie at second, you know, and maybe Rollins and Short, you know, if he wins the job. But they were really bad defensively last year. Yes. I mean, they were terrible. Um, and if they can, you know, shore up that middle of the infield, and you talked about Avila from the, you know, if he can stay healthy behind the plate, that whole rotation should become a little better um, in terms of their numbers and performance. So I think uh, – I think they're all going to see an uptick, but Rodon, especially second time, you know, second full season, kind of on the, the negative for him, 140 innings. You know, are they going to let him go a full season? Or are they going to kind of, you know, stop him at 170, 175? That limits his value a little bit, um, but I, I'm very high on him. Yeah, the projection system that I'm looking at now got him at 179 innings. He has good enough stuff to be dominant enough and 179 innings to win a Cy Young if, you know, he really puts it all together. But 
the projection of a 1.4 whip, that's awful. That's got to come way down. Well, in his walks per nine, I think yeah. were it was like 4.6 or something like that last yeah. year. Yeah. And again, it, it, again, it, you know, going back to the Walker comparison, you know, both of these guys have dominant stuff, but it comes back to command and control. That's what separates the Kershaws and you know the prices. They have dominant stuff, but they command it, you know, so good. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's going to be, you know, interesting to watch these two guys because they're two that we were both high, and I think consensus is high on. Um, but being able to get Rodon right now, where is he on the 37th pitcher off the board? I mean, that that's a steal. And the guy in our league that's keeping him for a dollar, I'm super jealous. I almost I almost tried to trade Brian Dozier for him yes, for Rodon yesterday. But I was already do you keeping. see him as a, a top 20 pitcher by the year end? Yeah, I do. Because there's guys in this top 20 that I'm worried about that I don't think stick. Um, I don't know. It, it's so injury. The injuries are going to be interesting. Um, I mean, I'm a big believer that Jose Fernandez is going to get hurt this year. I don't like what he's doing. Um you know, Granky may regress a little bit. I'm worried that one of the Mets is going to go down. Sorry, buddy. Um, I'm crossing my fingers. Those guys just throw too hard <laughs> all the time. And well, there's one. There's one of them who hasn't. You know, they say they all broke already except for one, and that's Syndergaard. Yeah. And he throws harder than all of them. Yeah, so. I know. Degrom's had Tommy John. Yes. Okay. I thought yeah. Syndergaard had Tommy John and Degrom didn't, so that's my bad. No, all, all, everybody else has had it, but Syndergaard. So it's like a prerequisite to pitch for the Mets. Then you gotta have you gotta <laughs> have Tommy John before you can get on the bump at City Field. All right, next guy, um, bounce back candidate for you, Jeff Samarja. Last year he would have been, I think, a front runner to be a Cy Young candidate out of the AL. He leaves the White Sox, goes to the Giants. It's an even season, so we all know what that means. But um, concerning things for Samarja, strikeout rate has slowly declined the last couple of years. But I'm interested to hear what you what you like about Shark. Yeah, so when I was ranking, I, I looked at four or five guys, and when I when I ranked these guys, actually Samarja was my number one in terms of Cy Young sleeper. And looking at his 2015, like you said, it would not lead you to that um, kind of rating for him. But you look at 2015, 11 and 13, 496, <coughs> uh, 41% ground ball rate, which was way below his career average. You talked about the K for nine. He gave up tw- 228 hits and 214 innings pitch. I mean, he was dreadful last year. Um, however, I think, you know, we forget this guy was traded for Addison Russell. Yeah. Two And he had a good season uh, for both Oakland and the Cubs. I mean, he had a 299 ERA between the two of them. Uh, the thing I like about him is he's durable. I mean, he didn't pitch a lot when he was younger. He's kind of newer, you know, he's got a fresher arm for, you know, age 30. Um, he's thrown more than 210 innings pitched the last three seasons. And when you try to, you know, look at what makes a Cy Young, you always know, talked about, you know, you have to have the good stuff and, you have to perform every night, but you have to do it every five days. Yeah. And I think out of all the guys we've talked about so far, and even on my list, um, the rest of my list, he's the guy that's done it um, the longest. And I don't know what your thoughts are, but I know sometimes winning culture isn't necessarily going to change somebody, but San Francisco's got something special out there. And I think putting him there where he doesn't have to be the number one, you can argue he doesn't have to be the number two with Cueto there. Um, I think it's a really good spot. He's going probably to the best pitcher park, you know, in the National League. Um, and you've said even year, you know, kind of jokingly, but they're, you know, they're primed to go. I mean, people don't people don't talk about L.A., Arizona, not so much about San Francisco, and I think he's going to be a big part of it. I, all right, so I agree. I love San Francisco, and I was hoping that the Cardinals would have made a run at Samarja this offseason. Um, I agree. I'm a big fan of dudes that are going to take the ball every five days and, you know, go out there and at least give you a quality start. 
So I think that's underrated. It's what I've loved about John Lackey the last two seasons for the Cardinals. Um, you need guys like that over the course of a 162-game season if you're going to want to be successful as a team. Um, we talked about the White Sox defense getting better. I don't know if there's a team that picks it better than the Giants, though. Um, oh, I agree with you. Duffy, Panic, Crawford, Belt, and then the outfield of Span, Pagan, and um, Pence. It's ridiculous. And you haven't even mentioned Buster Posey, who is probably the most underrated game caller and defensive catcher in the game. He is really, really good. Um, it's no, it's not a coincidence that he's caught, what, three perfect games or whatever it is, two or three. Um, you know, he, he gets it back there, and he's, I think he's the most valuable player in baseball um, because if you took him off the Giants, it would make a world of difference on that team. Um, so his effect on Samarja is going to be huge as well as the defense um you know those would you say 228 hits that he allowed last year how many of those could have been picked by brandon crawford or run down by denard span or angel pagan um so i think that's going to be a big big deal for him um but i'm just concerned about the strikeouts it's the only thing that i think is really allowing or holding him back from really getting back into this top 30 as a pitcher. Um, but again, we're talking 94-mile-an-hour average fastball velocity. That's huge. Uh, you get, get guys that, you know, just keep running that 94, 95, 96. You can't keep up with that over the course of a 162-game season. And I think we really saw what that did for the Mets last year in the playoffs. Um so I'm all about the velocity, and that's one thing that I do like about Shark. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you that expecting to have a good season, um, and you know we are reaching here for Cy Young candidates, but I do like that pick. Another thing to just bring up, you know, you talked about the defense he has behind him this year. We just talked about the White Sox <laughs> from last year and the defense they had. That's who he was playing behind. Yeah. So again, I think some guys. They might have ace stuff or that kind of potential, but do they like that, you know, kind of being the number one, or is it too much pressure for him? Yeah. You know, he's, he's fallen into a great spot where he has that kind of potential, but he doesn't have to be it. Yeah. You know, and I, I think that's really big. You know, when a guy like Tom Garner is going to take all the attention off of him, and he's going to, he's, he's their ace. There's no question about it. He can kind of fall right in line behind him, and I think it's a great spot. And I think they're, they are very, very under, you know, they're not getting a lot of attention going into, you know, 2016, like I said, with the Dodgers and Diamondbacks, you know, Diamondbacks winning the offseason according to, you know, what they did on paper. Um, but the, the Giants are sitting right there ready to go. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see that, that West division. Yeah, I think the Diamondbacks are going to be terrible. I don't agree or believe in anything that they did. So um, I, I like the Dodgers, but they definitely got worse than they were last season. Um, losing Granky, I think, hurts them. Um, and I, I just, uh, Giants are tough. They're, they're a team that mirrors my favorite team, and they're just consistent year in, year out. So I do like what they're doing there. Um, it's funny that I just mentioned the word consistent because the next guy you want to talk about is Trevor Bauer, and he is the opposite of consistent. So I'm going to let you take it away here and uh, talk about him because I owned him last year. And he's terrifying to own as a fantasy owner. So, good. Well, when I originally looked at this list quickly to kind of, you know, highlight my five, and I, I, I talked to you about them, I kind of thought Trevor Bauer, you know, a sneaky pick, and I looked at his numbers a little more, and I think terrifying is the right word. Yeah. Um, you know, we've heard all about the long toss, you know, <laughs> throwing from foul pole to foul pole, and, you know, they say – kind of was willing to change his routine a little bit um but the guy's got good stuff i mean i don't think there's any question about that but digging a little deeper i mean he his command it's just not there i mean he's got you know over four walks per nine i think he was the worst in the american league but the positives for him you know 8.7 k per nine which was top 10 in the al um Opponents hit only 230 against him. I think that was top 10 in the AL. 
you look at his first half, he was 8-5 and five with a 3-7-6, and then the second half it just fell apart. And I think he even got skipped in September. I think yeah. Francona you know, skipped him one time when they were kind of in the race, but they kind of weren't. Um, I don't know what to expect from him. I just think he's the kind of guy, you know, we talked about, you know, Keuchel and Arietta and Kluver, and these guys came out of nowhere. And they really didn't come out of nowhere. They just, you know, they had these... They had the stuff, but they didn't really have the results to show for it, or they didn't put it all together. And then one season, it, you know, it clicked for them. So I'm kind of, you know, this is a gamble. You know, if I would, if I would say out of all of these, I kind of have one that's a complete long shot, but this would be my gamble um, because that staff is nasty for Cleveland. Um, I think a full year of Francisco Lindor makes that defense just tremendous. Um, so I think if you, you know, again, it's command. Yeah. You know, I think that's what separates the good, you know, the great pitchers from the good pitchers. Um, you know, same thing with Walker and you know, Rodon. If they can limit the walks and command the strike zone better, the results are going to be there. I just, I don't know with him, but the stuff is definitely, you know, capable of producing a really solid 2016. Yeah, and th- this is the thing you talk about: command being an issue for all these guys, but they get so many swings and misses. You know, sometimes to get swings and misses, you got to throw the ball out of the strike zone. So that that's always going to be a catch-22. And the guys that are the best pitchers in the game are the guys that can throw the ball out of the strike zone and get people to swing and miss. Um, you know, chase rate is, is a great stat to look at um, if you can get quality information. It's a hard one to find good information on. But um, going back to Bauer, it's funny. One of, one of our friends... Steiny calls him Rick, Ricky Vaughn. You know, he pitches on the Indians. He's all over the place. And it's funny, I always try and watch Trevor Bauer if I can when he's throwing because you never know when you're going to see one of those, like, six innings, seven walks, 11 strikeouts, and one hit outing, and he's not going to give up a run. Or he's going to have the bases loaded in three out of the four innings and strike out the side and be at 100 pitches after the fourth inning. It's always entertaining. Um, there's always the opportunity for him to implode. So it, it's just it's good baseball to watch when he's on the mound because you never know what's going to happen, and it's usually exciting. So with that being said, you know his whip was 1.3, so it was actually better than Rodon's last year, which is crazy to think about because of how high I'm on Rodon and how off I am on Bauer. But I think it's because I, I owned Bauer last year, and when I was making my playoff run, he really folded like a house of cards. Like you said, the second half was terrible. I was really encouraged by the first half. Um, just didn't end up working out. The strikeouts are still there. You know, just under nine strikeouts per nine. So, and I and you like pitching for Cleveland. You know, they know what they're doing there with their pitchers. The staff's good as a whole. He's the number four guy. Like you said, the defense is uh, much improved by adding uh, Lindor and even Uribe at third. He's not as good as Urschler was, but he's a pretty solid third baseman. Um, they add Rajai Davis to the outfield, which should maybe help their outfield defense out a little bit. So, and and they're going to be a, they're going to be a good team. They're they're one of the better teams in the American League. So, it's interesting. You know, I hadn't thought about. Bauer being a guy that I would take a shot on this year, but you know, getting some of these high-priced or not highly touted guys when they're at their basement value is sometimes the best opportunity to get them. So maybe I'll have to circle back and give Wild Thing here another look. One more thought on Bauer, and it kind of goes back to some of the you know some of the guys we've talked about, and you brought up Rodon and you brought up Walker about how. Their walks per nine were pretty similar. You look at the mechanics between the three of them, and if I was a betting man, I would say Rodon and Walker might figure it out. Bauer, it's a flip of the coin yeah. because he's got a lot going on in that, you know, the windup, and then even you know when, when he's coming stretch, he's got all kinds of arms and legs moving. Um, so I think you know you're higher on Rodon, but I think there's a better chance for consistency there. Yeah. Whereas Bauer. You know, with the, the, the wind-up, the mechanics, there's a lot going on and a lot of moving parts. And to keep that rhythm, when it's when it's on, I mean, he's shown he's very tough, but it's just really hard to repeat those mechanics. 
Yeah, and I'm glad that you brought that up because, you know, we talked two podcasts ago about my pitching strategy, and I don't like to take a ton of risks with my pitchers because I just feel like the investment you have to make to get these arms when every pitch could be the one that ends their career or ends their season, um, it's just something that I'm af- I've am i always been afraid to step out on a limb. So the fact that I like Rodon the best out of the three of them, you know, consistent mechanics, he looks the same every time. Arm sliding is pretty smooth. Um, so, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And when we get into the four guys that I want to talk about after your next one here, you're going to see that three of the four, there's risk to them. There's risk to all four of them, obviously, or we wouldn't be talking about them tonight. But three of the four, we've seen them already be Cy Young-type pitchers um, in the league already. So let's get to your fifth guy, and then we'll talk about the guys that um, I just prefaced there. Jose Barrios is your guy here. Obviously, we're not stupid. There's no chance he's going to win the Cy Young. But you said a great thing before we got on here. He has a chance to make a Cy Young impact on the Minnesota Twins this year. So um, I want you to kind of explore that in a little more detail for us. Yeah, for so those who don't know who Jose Barrios is, you know, top prospect Minnesota Twins organization. Turns 22 in May. I think baseball prospectus had him in the top 20 overall prospects. MLB.com had him in the top 20. Um, I think they have him in the top 10 in right-handed pitchers. Um, from what I, I mean, I've been following this guy since he's been drafted. I think he got you know 2012. He was a supplemental first round pick. Um, he's been in the futures game twice. Uh, but you look at his last year num- uh, the numbers in the minor leagues. Triple A six six and two with a two six two ERA point nine nine WHIP. Um, in total, 175 Ks in 166 in the third innings. Um, the big question with you know Barrios with any young pitcher who hasn't broken in with with their team yet in the majors is when's when's he gonna get you know brought up? You know, is it gonna be in May? Is it gonna be in June? Are they gonna wait to get that extra year of service? But you look at their rotation: Phil Hughes, Irvin Santana, uh, Kyle Gibson, Tyler Duffy, Tommy Malone, Ricky Nolasco. There's nobody there that kind of stands out and goes, "That's the guy that's gonna lead the staff." There's some decent, um, I think Hughes is decent, Santana's okay, but they're twos, they're threes and fours, maybe a two in there. Yeah. Um, you look at Barrios, he's built like Marcus Stroman, and I, I like to make that comparison because can he make that type of impact for the for the Twins like Stroman did for the Blue Jays? And, you know, you look at his stuff, he's got, you know, mid-90s fastball. Uh, they say two potential plus off-speed pitches. Some like the changeup better than the curveball, some like the curveball better than the changeup. Um, but something that I thought was unique and why I put him on this list, um, he threw 166 and you know, two-thirds innings already last year in terms of 2015. So can he take on a full work- workload this year? Pretty close to it. You know, so you look at, you know, you know, we talked about, you know, can they go every fifth day and can they, you know, produce, you know, every fifth day in terms of, you know, Cy Young results. I don't know if the results are going to be there, but he can take the ball every fifth day if they wanted him to. Um, and for a team that's coming off of a, you know, a surprising 2015, I think it'd be advantageous to put him in the rotation right away and just you know go with him. Um, again, you said long shots not happening. You know, Fernando Val- Fernando Valenzuela, only rookie rookie to win the Cy Young Award. Um, but again, can he be the staff ace by the end of the year? I think he can. Um, and I, from a fantasy standpoint, it's somebody to keep an eye on. Absolutely, and I, I like this Twins team a lot. They're definitely a team that's on the rise. Um, obviously, we saw what Sano did last year. He's a monster. Um, I'm a Dozier fan. I think he hangs on for a couple more good years here. Um, I'm interested to see this Byung-Ho Park. I know he's going to swing and miss a lot, but I feel like he's going to hit some big-time fly ball, home, or big-time flies. Um, Buxton, obviously, everyone's excited to see a full season of Buxton. And then Max Kepler, a real underrated prospect. Um, I like Max Kepler a lot. So there's some pieces here. And, you know, you mentioned Irvin Santana and Phil Hughes as good good guys to have in a rotation. I'm a big Kyle Gibson fan. I think he is underrated. But 
I agree with the fact he's a three or a four, maybe a two at best. Um, you know, I could very well see Jose Barrios starting the American League wild card game for the Minnesota Twins this year and um, giving them a shot to maybe get into the divisional series. So I think they're probably a year away. I think he's probably a year away. And the thing that scares me about Barrios starting the year with the team is um, Paul Molitor, kind of one of those guys that's like the old guard, you know, almost like a Don Mattingly guy. You know, he's very, very slow to go to the rookies, very slow to go to the young guys because he played in the league for 20 years. And when he was in the league for 20 years, he probably didn't trust the rookies when they came up and played right away. So, you know, you see some of these guys that have been in baseball for so long. They're so afraid to pull the trigger on these young guys. And I can see this being the case. And if, if I think it's a valid concern because it took us so long to see Buxton. You know, and he was about as supposedly can't miss as it got. And they were so late to pull the trigger on him. And even Sano. I mean, Sano, he tore, tears the ACL. We probably, That cost us a year of seeing him. Um... But he could have came up before the the ACL and probably been their four-hitter with how bad they were at that time. So, I like Barrios. You know, about a strikeout per inning last year in 176 or seven innings, like you said. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see this cat because i got to be honest, I haven't seen any of any video of him, and he's a guy that's been in the prospect handbook for the last, like, three or four years. And I kind of just brushed him off because of his size. And, you know, the first year he threw 30 innings. And then in 2013 threw 100 innings. And I was like, I got to see some more of this. And he's kept it up. So now now I want to see it. I want to see him do it in the American League Central every five days, you know, against some of the best pitchers and teams in baseball, especially in the American League. Anything else on barriers? No, uh, again, I think you brought up a great point with, you know, the Twins and kind of how they bring rookies up um, kind of uh, slowly, uh, I guess. You know, slow and steady uh, is kind of their belief. Um, well, they can't They can't they afford... Have, they might have cost them a playoff spot. You brought up, you, you mentioned Sano. I mean, a guy, you know, gets jammed and he goes off the wall. Yeah. Um, just sick power. So, again, I think he's, he's got the stuff to be their guy, their kind of, you know, number one. Um, but, you know, I think he's, he's at least a couple months away. Um, yeah. But I wanted to put him on here because, you know, from a fantasy standpoint, he's, he could have a huge impact in the second half. Yeah. No, he's a good dollar pitcher at the end of a draft to kind of throw out there and take a little chance on. Um, and the other thing – that I wanted to say about the Twins, it's not necessarily their fault that they're slow to bring these guys up. They're not a big market. They can't afford these players once they get into their big contracts. So for them to extend their service time as long as possible, same as Tampa Bay, I get it. I mean, I understand why they have to do what they do. It's just frustrating as a fantasy owner. And to your point about that, you know, they can't afford to bring them up. They can't afford to miss either. Yeah. You know, they have to make sure they are absolutely certain that this guy is ready to handle the big stage because, you know, you get a prospect like this, and if you would wait, you know, a couple months until he's more comfortable to bring him up, you know, they're going to they're gonna be as careful as they can to make sure that these guys are ready to go because you can't miss in a, in a small market. Yeah. I also got to apologize. I'm coming off the back end of a cold here, so I keep hacking up a lung here, but... Um, trying to fight through this as best I can. Alright, so on to my guys. Um, I'll start out with Justin Verlander. Um, right now, Verlander's going 38 among starting pitchers. So this, I think, has been a popular consensus amongst people. You know, that Verlander's due for a bounce back. He has the core surgery. Limits him to 133 innings last year. Strikeout rates down from his career. Um, average velo, st- still 93 miles an hour, which 
Yeah, you're, you're sitting there probably turning your nose up to that because it's Justin Verlander, but 93 miles an hour for average fastball is still pretty hard. Um, so he's now healthy after, you know, pitching a little over a half a season after having that surgery in the 2014-2015 offseason. Something was wrong with him in 2014. He was hurt. He threw 206 innings, 4.5 ERA. Guys with Justin Verlander's stuff just don't do that out of nowhere. It doesn't just happen um, in their age 31 season. So I'm going to say that he bulldogged that 2014 season out because him at 75-80% was probably better than whatever they had else going on there because the Tigers' minor league system has been down for quite quite a long time. Um, before that, though, from 2013 going back to 2009, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball, if not the best. I mean, he gets the monster contract because of that three, four-year run he was on. I mean, 269 strikeouts, 219, 250, 239 and 217 in 2013. <coughs> um, Verlander's just a stud. He still has the stuff, and I think now that he's healthy, we're going to see a real big boost for him. And He's a guy I'm excited about. I just feel like I'm not going to be able to get him at any value because I feel like of everyone kind of feels this way about him. So what do you think about Verlander? I think he's a good sleeper pick. My concern, uh, you talked about how great he was at that stretch of, you know, where, you know, every fifth, fifth day he just dominated. But you go back to 2009, and from 2009 to 2012, innings pitched 240, 224, 251, 238. He led the league three out of four years. There's a lot of mileage on that arm. Yeah. Um, and I think the last couple of years with the injuries, um, it's shown he wasn't healthy, and I think, again, the mileage caught up to him. But at age, you know, going into his age 33 season, can he kind of reverse that trend? I don't know. Um, he's a good athlete. Uh, I think, he, like you said, he's, he's finally healthy. Um, but it's March. You know, what does he look like in, in July? Um, if he's the Verlander of old or maybe a little less than that, uh, I think he's a great sleeper pick for the Cy Young. Um, I just have my doubts in terms of, you know, the K rate going down, the innings mounting up. What does this look like um, for a full season? I think he's going to be energized because I think they have a pretty good team. Yeah. Uh, they, fi- they finally built somewhat of a bullpen. Um, so can he go seven innings and, you know, give them some quality, you know, innings and then hand it over rather than ask to go nine? I think that'll help. But. I have my questions with him, just like any pitcher, a power pitcher that is aging. You know, what do they do when you know they can't bring rear back and go 98 in the eighth inning? What does it look like? And there's usually a transition period, um, but then they adjust. Yeah. The good ones, and I think he's a great pitcher. It's just, what does this look like? You know, until he kind of finds that next Justin Verlander. Well, we started to see that adjustment last year. 133 innings. Um, 1.09 whip, but only 113 strikeouts. So, um, strikeouts per nine, 7.6. That's not what. That's not the old Justin Verlander. But the 1.09 whip, third best season of his career. So it's only 133 innings compared to a .92 whip in 251 innings, which is just in another galaxy good. Like that's that's insane to throw that many innings and not even allow one base runner per inning. Um, but 1.09, that that's really elite. And the fact that he's able to do that, throwing the ball 93 miles an hour without getting the strikeouts like he like he's done his whole life, I, th- I think I'm most impressed by that out of all his numbers. Um, so he's definitely a guy that this Sunday in my drafts I have two drafts on Sunday at the same time. Um, I don't know how that happens. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm thinking about outsourcing one of my drafts to someone. Um, but, yeah, he's a guy I'm going to be looking at, and I think if you can get him as your SP3 
on your fantasy team, I think you're in really good shape. So, I like Verlander, and he's a guy. He's a guy that I wouldn't have gone for in the past at the price. So we've talked all off season about some of these big names like Verlander, Pedroia, um, guys like that coming back down to the you know level where now now they're now I'm interested in them. And I think if I could just add one more thing, if your expectations are right, you know, that you don't have these super expectations that he might be the Justin Verlander of old, I think he could put together a good season. It's just, is he a, a two or a three? Probably more like that than he is a one anymore. Um, but if you put your expectations in that kind of same vicinity rather than thinking he's going to be the ace because he's Justin Verlander, I think he's a good pick. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he doesn't belong going in the top 20, but I think he has just as good a shot of anybody to end up in the top 20. So that's kind of what I'm excited about with him. All right, these other two. All right, so my next guy is Masahiro Tanaka. Um, another guy that when he's out there pitching, there's not many better than him. His stuff is next to unhittable. Um but the problem is getting him out on the field. Elbow is m- really bulky. Um, you never really know what's wrong with it when the, that pitch might be his last. He relies on that splitter big time, which is just a pitch that destroys elbows. Um, but I like the Yankees team this year. And, you know, he's the best pitcher on that team. And he's another guy that. He's shown that he has the stuff and the ability to be one of the top ten pitchers in the game, if not in fantasy baseball as well. So, um, I like Tanaka, another guy that I would have never went out and tried to get at the price that it was taking to get him in uh, 2014 when he made his major league debut. But, again, we're just talking about an elite talent here at what is a discounted price. So that's why I'm interested in him, and that's why I think he's a sleeper Cy Young candidate. Yeah, so I, being a New York sports fan, I've seen way too many Yankees games. Um, And I've seen Tanaka throw quite a few times. And and the interesting thing with him is he had these super high expectations, and you can argue (coughs) argue or probably say he hasn't met those expectations. But he's 25 and 12 with a 3-1-6 in his two years as, you know, the ace of the Yankees. Now, the caveat being he hasn't been on the mound. I mean, you're playing Russian roulette with that elbow. Um, But I think when he's on the mound, he is as good as anybody. Um, It's just a matter of keeping him healthy and keeping him every fifth or sixth day. Do they skip a start here or there? Um, You know, I don't know. But he's... uh, I think he's he, out of all these. I think he's he's the best pitcher we've talked about. Yeah, um, they're going to need to mix in some some guys here because Severino's not going to be able to take that full workload, and same with Tanaka as well. So you got a guy like Ivan Nova right now who's slated to be the sixth starter on this team, and he's going to have to give them real innings, like you said. They're going to have to skip a start here and there for some of these guys to keep them healthy throughout the season. Now, full disclosure, I have no, I had no idea that Tanaka threw 154 innings last year. If I would have guessed, I would have said it was probably closer to 100. And those 154 innings weren't bad, .99 whip. As we talked about, that's really elite. Um, he was a little homer prone last year, which was new um, for him, 25 homers and 154 innings. That's a lot. But I think that's also because that splitter was not as good of a pitch. And his fa- he doesn't throw the fastball that hard either. So if he, his his number one thing is deception and throwing pitches that are in the strike zone for 95% of the way and then they fall out, um, you know, that splitter's got to be a pitch that you bury. And if you don't, it gets hit out of the yard for just about anybody, um, including one of our former college teammates who – we'll talk about because I think he's a friend of yours but and I I don't think he'll listen to this but (laughs) um so yeah 92 mile an hour fastball but it's not not a ton of movement it looks kind of straight and 
he kind of really throws the splitter off that. So he does have the stuff that makes him homer prone. I'm wondering though if he gets back to if he's more comfortable with the arm this year, back to a level where it doesn't get hit out of the park as often. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little down on the Yankees this year. I think they're going through a year of transition. A lot of old, old you know, players in that lineup. Um, but if I had to ask you, you over under 25 starts on Tanaka, what do you think he gets? Oh, that's a good number. Um, I'll take the over because he doesn't need to throw more than six innings anymore. The Tansis Miller... Chapman when he comes back even guys like Chase and Shreve you know he was really good last year out of the pen um, and I feel like the Yankees are starting to figure out the type of arms that it takes to win in the bullpen and these guys aren't big names Brandon Pinder Brian Mitchell Nick Goody these guys that are projected to be in this bullpen I'd be lying if I said I've ever heard of any of them um, but I feel like they probably the Yankees know what it's going to take to get these bullpen arms because of the guys that they've had and brought up. I mean, I like Jacob Lindgren. Um, he came up last year, but he's another guy dealing with some arm injuries. So I just think Tanaka's not going to have to go out there and throw 130 pitches and get him eight innings to get the Mo anymore. That's not, that's not the Yankees team anymore, so maybe that helps him. So I'll take the over. Because I think you could argue a six-man rotation for them makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Because you got Tanaka's elbow, Sabathia's knee, um, and just some other guys that you know they've had you know trouble staying healthy. So I think that, you know if they get more than twenty-five starts for with Tanaka, I think they're in good shape. I think the season's going as well as it can for them. Um, and I think I think if he's on the mound every fifth day, they have a good shot to, to get to. Postseason. Yeah, definitely. Um, next guy for me, you Darvish. Um, Twenty-nine-year-old season, another injury risk. Probably won't be a real Cy Young candidate because he's not going to come back to the middle of May. Um, but another guy that, when he was healthy, top of, top of the game starting pitcher. Um, is that the train going by your house? <laughs> so uh, Darvish I like Darvish a lot but you know he's probably not going to come back till mid-May but when he does come back I'm expecting him to get right back to top form so another guy you know high strikeout totals low whip low ERA on an up and up and coming team um, so I think what I'm what I'm getting at here is the guys that I've picked more so than you, the strikeout totals are much higher for mine. But your your guys all have the ability to get to that level at some point. Yeah, I think it's interesting. You know, the contrast you've taken guys who kind of established themselves, and can they bounce back? Or um, I'm kind of taking the guys that are have proven themselves. I think Darvish is an interesting case because now he's got Hamels in the rotation. Um, so I, it all depends on how he you know, recovers and how long they give him, but he's definitely got the talent to be a number one in this league. Definitely. Um, all right, so you know, you just talked about how I did proven guys. So now my last guy is Kenta Maeda, um, another guy we haven't really seen anything of. 27-year-old rookie from Japan, from the Dodgers. The thing I like about Maeda, um, no one's going to see him really throughout the season. So, like, no one has any video on him, so that's something in his favor. Um, he doesn't throw very hard, from what I'm hearing, so that that's a concern. But he did look good, apparently, the other day. So, I just like the fact that he's going to be probably the number two or three on one of the better teams in the National League. Uh, and I'm interested to see if that deception and newness to Major League Baseball gives him an uptick in this first season. So I like Maeda, but I'm curious to hear what you think about him. Yeah, it's interesting because... 
I saw him throw the other day, um, watch some of the highlights, and I was a little surprised by what I saw uh, in terms of velocity. And you know, he's definitely on the lower side. But you know, a guy like Dallas Keuchel, you know, he was throwing ninety ninety one last year, and yeah. he just got ground ball after ground ball, and then you know he improved his K rate quite a bit last year, and all of a sudden you have this you know superior pitcher. Um, I, I think having my Aida going through the league for the first time, I think is going to be to his advantage. I think it's to any pitcher's advantage, but the question will be what happens second time through, you know, when he sees the Giants for the second time or he sees the Diamondbacks for the second time, both teams that have decent offenses, um, or he goes to Colorado, you know, for the first time, you know, where it's the nightmare for everybody. Um, so I think it'll be interesting. I think, you know, I trust Friedman uh, and his process out in LA, but it's a gamble, um, and I, I don't know what you can expect from him, um, there's just the lack of data and, and, and whatnot from, you know, coming over from, you know, you know Japan, um, but we'll see, I think he's definitely worth the risk, I think, he, I, I like the idea of him as a sleeper, but again, velocity scares me when you're talking about elite pitchers. Yeah. Apparently he hit 95 the other day in a batting practice session, but he was sitting 90-91 yesterday in the spring training outing. And like you said, that's good enough for some guys. I mean, it's good enough for a former would-have-been teammate of his, Zach Greinke. Um, but when you talk about Zach Greinke, you talk about Greg Maddox-like control, and we haven't seen that yet from this guy. So Yeah, and people also forget about Greinke. When he wants to, 94-95 is yes. there. Yeah. Um, just comfortable 91 92 yeah so. so yeah i mean i like maeda and you know we're, we're really throwing darts here as we get to the end of this group so i just thought he was worth it because you know you talked about a guy like valenzuela the only guy to ever win it as a rookie um, but we have seen tanaka and darvish come over and have immediate success and maeda has the japanese track record like um like those guys had coming over from there. So he's got that, that pedigree of having the success in the Japanese league. So I'm willing to take a shot on him. But he's definitely the outlier out of my guys in terms of not only strikeout potential, but having seen it before. So we'll see. Right price on Sunday, I'll take a shot on him. I, I've already said in prior podcasts, um, I'm going to be looking for National League pitchers which is funny because the first three I talked about tonight were American League pitchers, but I just like the fact, like we said, that six teams in the National League are terrible and have no shot of winning it today on March 7th, no matter what they do. They have no shot. <laughs> so um, I just like the fact that those guys will be thrown against those teams more. So I don't want a whole team of National League pitchers because I do think you need a little bit of balance. You, know, you don't want to run into the same thing over and over again, but... Um, I will have a majority National League pitchers. So, anything else on any of these guys? No, I think we covered it all. I think it, you know, again, it'll be interesting to see some of these guys. Can they take the next step, or can some of them recover and get back to the form that made them kind of the pitcher they were? Yeah. All right. So, I hope you enjoyed joining us here for the first podcast that you've done and. We'll definitely look to get you back as the spring goes on and as the, the Nationals have a better season than the Mets, you know, as the season goes on. Maybe we'll want to talk to you about that and see how you're doing coming off the World Series loss last year. But I will say I think your team has better prospects right now than mine with Johnny Peralta going out for three months today. So um, that's not good. I'm not looking forward to watching 100-plus games of Jed Jerko at shortstop. So... Um, that definitely not looking forward to that, but yeah, we'll have you back again. Um, I thought you did a nice job, so thanks for joining us. And um, anything else you got to say before we sign off here? No, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the season. All right, sounds good, Ty. Thanks for joining us. Uh, make sure you find us at Red Triangle Twenty Three on Twitter. We're on SoundCloud and iTunes. Um, subscribe, rate, review. Uh, let us know how we're doing. We're happy to hear about it. And um, we'll get back and probably talk outfielders here before the weekend with Kyle and Shane. So signing off.
for Ty Storms. I'm Matt Kozlowski with Red Triangle Sports.